you're listening to the Her True Strength Podcast. And if you're an active woman who wants to track your training progress, likes to know that all of your hard work is paying off, but don't want to feel like you're micromanaging your health, then tune in. Because today's episode of the Her True Strength Podcast, you are getting the inside scoop on how you can use the most simple data to know that your body is getting healthier, stronger, and that all of your hard work is working for you. So stay tuned. Her True Strength Podcast is your faith-based approach to discovering how to build your strongest body yet. You'll learn how to strengthen your mind, body, and spirit all through the lens of the gospel. I'm your host, Laura Lindahl, follower of Jesus, lifter of weights, and adventure enthusiast. And I empower faith-based women to build strong bodies from the inside out so they can confidently impact the world with strength and grace. Welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. Hello, hello, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Her True Strength Podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest, Borlandall, and I'm here to share with you the most simple, effective, and accurate way that you can track your training progress, have better energy, and faster recovery without feeling like you're obsessing over data points, scrutinizing your body, all by using two little data points, which will be your resting heart rate and heart rate variability. Now, before we dive in, you may be asking, Laura, tracked my resting heart rate or maybe know of heart rate variability before. And I'm not really sure what all of the data means or how to interpret it from my watch, Garmin, or maybe your Aura Ring or your Whoop Band or whatever tracker you may be using. And you likely don't want to feel obsessive. And it's okay. I'm there with you. I literally was at a point where I felt like I was obsessing over so much data and I got to a point where I said enough is enough (laughs) and I went an entire year without using a fitness tracker because I was so tired of it. But then in that moment, I realized I was giving up a lot of really powerful information that I could use. And so I thought to myself, why not have the best of both worlds? Why not be able to use that, but only use it in a way and know exactly what I need to gain from that data to make informed decisions. See, I think a lot of us get these really techie gadgets, maybe around Christmas time, and very quickly we realize they give us a lot more information than we really need, or that we don't even know enough about that data to use it to make an informed decision. And you can spend a lot of time reading, a lot of time doing research, but as a result, we often feel overwhelmed by all of the information. We don't know how to use it to make better choices for our health. So what ends up happening is we end up tracking things for a few months. And before we know it, that tracker just becomes a flashy accessory rather than a tool that we wanted it to be in the first place. So if you're anything like me, you don't want to waste your money. You definitely don't want to waste your time in tracking data points that don't actually make a difference in your health, your training performance, or your energy. So If that's you and you want to know the data that you actually need from your fitness tracker and you want to know how to use that data to make better choices for your health, tune in, buckle up, let's hit the road. See, instead of looking at the sea of data collected by your tracker and feeling overwhelmed, there's really only two primary data points that you need to track and see and know that you're either moving in the right direction for your health or training, or perhaps need to make some adjustments. And 
You need to know what those two points are for your body, what to do with them when you see them moving in one direction or the other, and what they actually mean about your health. And when you know these two data points are, when you know what they are for your body, how to change them, you can have the power to get your energy back. You can increase your training effort to have better sleep, ultimately feel better in your body on a day-to-day basis. Because you know, we talk about this a lot, we will till the end of time. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made by a really intelligent God. That's one of his characteristics I'm so thankful he has created. Super intelligent humans who design fitness trackers to give us all this data. And I believe that he gives us the intelligence to track data, to see trends, and then to make informed decisions. But remember this, technology can be a tool or tyrant. Like I said, I got to a point where I got so obsessed with data that I was just looking at that data all the time and feeling obsessed and frustrated. I wasn't making progress I wanted. So I can tell you these two vital tracking points are all you need, but use it with fair warning. Remember that the enemy can use anything, even the best of things to become a distraction for us, to steal our joy, captivate our attention away from trusting the Lord. So while these data points are incredibly powerful, and they can make a tremendous impact on your health. Don't mistake the power of the Lord and his control of your life with the freedom of choice you've been given on a daily basis. What I mean is this. Tracking data is powerful. It gives you the ability to make informed decisions. At the end of the day, remember that your health is in the hands of the Lord. So use these points to make informed decisions. But remember who really holds your body. Remember who sustains your body, who breathes life into your lungs. It is the Lord who sustains you. And while you have this body on earth, tracking data simply allows you to optimize your stewardship role, why you have this earthly body. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay. Now, with this properly framed, I bet you're just dying to know what are those two data points that I'm talking about? Which ones do you need to be tracking to optimize your recovery, have better energy? And what do you do with the information that you gain from them? Well, the two most impactful things you can gain from your fitness tracker are your resting heart rate and your heart rate variability, both preferably measured at night. If your tracker does that, awesome. I know that Whoop and Aura for sure do. I am not 100% sure about the Apple Watch, but I know that the newest two versions of the Apple Watch do track your heart rate variability. I'm just not sure if it does that at night. However, Whoop band or a ring, both measure that at night. And we want to measure it at night because that is going to give us the best accurate measurement of how your body is functioning on a most consistent basis at rest, which is a really powerful data point. So let's start with your resting heart rate. Now, you likely know what your resting heart rate is, but let me kind of briefly explain from a high level overview why it matters and why we track it. So your resting heart rate shows how efficiently your heart is working to pump blood to your entire body. See, your heart is a muscle, likely the most important muscle in your body to be precise. And the stronger your heart is, the more effectively it pushes out a higher volume of blood with each pump. And with that higher volume of blood needs to pump less times in a minute to get the needed amount of blood to your body. I hope that makes sense. So the weaker your heart, the lower volume of blood is pumped out in each beat. And so therefore, the higher amount of times it will need to beat per minute to pass blood to your body, which is why a lower resting heart rate is an indicator of good health. Does that make sense? Awesome. Okay. Hope it does. 
The second data point to track is your heart rate variability. Now, this is one that really has become more popular in the last 10 years. So if your resting heart rate is like the gas tank telling you how much energy you have in the tank, your heart rate variability is more like your miles per gallon or your fuel economy. This is going to tell you more about how well your body is staying balanced between your stress state and your resting state. The faster your body is able to bounce back and forth between these two, between that fight or flight, running from a bear, and resting and digesting, eating porridge, and sleeping, the faster we can bounce back and forth, the more adaptable it is, the healthier your nervous system is. It's kind of like a thermometer to tell you how your body is handling the stressors of the day. Heart rate variability is the amount of time that elapses between each beat of your heart with a lower time showing us that your heart rate is variable and healthy and a higher time between showing that your heart's stimulus to a beat at a certain rate is being influenced by your nervous system that is not functioning optimally. So the lower your HRV, the harder your body is having to shift from work to rest mode and the higher your HRV, the more responsive your nervous system is to better balance work and rest. I hope that makes sense. And at this point, you're likely asking, Laura, how do I change these to have a healthier nervous system? What do I do? And if you are, I'm so happy you're asking because that means that you are here to take action. And I just love my action takers. So here are several factors that will affect your resting heart rate and your heart rate variability outside of your genetics, which is really important to note, will play a role. Now, you cannot change your genetics. You cannot change your age. You cannot change your height. These are factors that are going to play a big role into how hard your heart has to work. But that doesn't mean that there's aren't things that you can adjust in your day to day to lower your heart rate and improve your health. So first is the green old big monster of stress, emotional, physical, spiritual, social stress. And as I like to say, it's super counterintuitive. Stress isn't a bad thing. Believe it or not, stress is what allows your muscles to grow. Stress is what helps you to stay focused. It's not stress that elevates your heart rate, but rather your perception of stress in your life. Here's an example. If someone is running a marathon, they're putting their body under stress, right? No doubt about it. Their heart is beating faster. They're working harder. But eventually what happens? They find a steady state. They feel relaxed while they're running, right? There are positive health benefits to that. Now, on the other hand, if someone is being chased by a bear for a marathon distance, their heart is beating faster and they're likely very stressed. (laughs) Not a lot of positive outcomes from that, right? But never have the same response. They're not going to achieve steady state. Both are running, both are stressed, but the mind is in very different places. For the one being chased by a bear, something is happening to them. They are the victim. And for the marathon runner who paid money to be there and spent years training for this, this is happening for him. Can you see the slight shift there? How you perceive the stressors in your life has a tremendous impact on how your heart reacts to them. Believe that everything is happening to you and you'll live your life in fight or flight mode with a heart rate that is stressed and elevated at resting. Live your life from a place where things are happening for you and you open yourself up to see the challenges as a good thing from above to bring 
for God's glory and your good. And to be honest, I find zero surprise by this. And as a believer, you likely don't either. See, your body is wired to honor God. Your mind, your heart, your heart rate variability is wired to depend on him and trust in his plan. And when we do that, things tend to function better as a whole body. If you ask yourself, how am I perceiving the stress I'm feeling in my life from a social, emotional, physical, or spiritual way? And I guarantee you, you'll be able to find one way, one situation, one practice that you can improve your resting heart rate just simply by reframing that stress to a way that God can work it for good in your life. If you need to hire a counselor, hire a counselor. If you need to hire a coach, hire a coach. If you need to buy a journal, buy a journal, start journaling, do that. But identify what is this area? What is the situation, maybe a situation at my work, social work, family that I am perceiving as a bad thing that God could be using for a good thing to bring him more glory? And can I change the perception of that in my mind? Can you play around with that and see, watch how your heart rate variability changes? Second factor is sleep. Sleep affects your heart rate drastically. And if you're noticing a resting heart rate that is higher than your normal one, one of the biggest factors outside of stress you can look into is your sleep quality and your sleep quantity. Quality, how well are you sleeping? How well are you staying asleep? Are you getting up 10 times a night, four times a night to pee, right? And quantity, how long are you sleeping for and how consistently during the week are you sticking to that sleep schedule? Weekends included. Now, if you want to deep dive into your sleep and what strategies you can use to implement and improve it and thereby improve your resting heart rate, then you really need to dive into episode 24, which I believe is called the six strategies for optimizing your sleep of my podcast. It is so jam-packed with good tips and tricks. You are not going to want to miss it. And because of that, I don't want to give it all to you here. Binge that episode, find one thing, one of those six strategies and work on improving that area of your sleep. Okay. Last but not least is training balance. While your optimal training output and frequency is going to be very different from any other woman out there, the American College of Sports Medicine, which is honestly known as the gold standard in research and exercise science, recommends that women strength train at a minimum of two times per week and get at least 30 minutes of moderate aerobic activity three to four times a week. Okay, I will note that these goals are uber generalized and are designed just for general health. They're not specific to your situation. They're not specific to training history or your training goals, but maybe you're not strength training at all right now. And the best next step for you is just to do one time a week. If that's what you can do, do that. (laughs) You will see improvement just in that jump from zero to 10 is a significant jump. Don't feel like you have to take the first 100. Everyone says you need to like leap take that leap of faith. And I'm like, how about we just take a step? Okay. Take a step and you'll likely be able to sustain it a lot longer when you do and build in a second day as your endurance improves, as your confidence builds, as it becomes a part of your life. Now, on the other side of that, if you're training six to seven days a week, going too hard, too much of a good thing can also put too much stress on your heart. Everyone's body has a sweet spot for training frequency that allows their body to recover and at the same time improve between workouts, 
training will help your heart get stronger. You also need to balance that with good sleep and low stressors. It's your job to keep tabs on your resting heart rate and heart rate variability to see what your body does better with and what makes things worse. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I know which thing to change and how to change it? What I would give you is this, just choose one, okay? Don't be that person that changes six things at once because you get really excited about something. I love you, but you're going to see a change, but you will be very, very hard fixed to identify what caused that change. And because of that, it's going to be really hard for you to replicate it. So choose one of the factors that I listed for you today. Focus on improving your sleep, reframe your stress, or identify a better training balance. Focus on improving that one factor for four to six weeks and then see how your body responds. Is your heart rate variability improving? Is your resting heart rate going down? If you notice a change, then keep it up. If you don't notice a change, then try something different. Either way, your body will let you know. That is the beauty of data. It is subjective. It has zero emotion to it. (laughs) It's always speaking to you. Your body's always speaking to you. All you need to do is listen. And hopefully now with a little bit more know-how about how your resting heart rate and your heart rate variability affect your health and what they mean, now you can make some educated decisions about your health and ways you can optimize your recovery, get better energy, have more enjoyable workouts, and keep you feeling strong and in health in your God-given body. Now, go out and do something with this. And as always, if you learned something new today, share it with your friends, your feed, or your family. And I'd love to hear from you on the gram. Send me a DM about your takeaways or questions from this episode. Until next time, friends, stay strong. All the love, Coach Laura.